Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. I'm Alpha. We can be as badass as we want. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals, our banks destroy the economy, the inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression, and you can go down the line, you can go down the line. Good evening. I'm Alpha. This is the Alpha Show. Now, the master of common sense, take no prisoners in politics and game making. The man from Chicago who's got their numbers. This is Advanced Urban Political Talk Radio with Alpha. Here's Alpha. Well, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Show. Here at TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once, we have a great deal, a great deal to cover in two hours. Um, One of the things we're going to cover is this filibuster. And exactly how to get around the filibuster, the parliamentarian, to get a progressive agenda through. The problem is Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema. And I think right now Democrats ought to make it very clear they will not get support from Democrats, especially Sinema. She bounced her perky little ass up and went thumbs down via John McCain. And she was very, very happy to do so on the $15 an hour minimum wage. And that should cost her. Primaried them, and then if they still win, withdraw support. Cast them out. Let them know that this is a no-win situation. If we don't beat you in the primaries, the Republicans will beat you in the general. Because you will not have the support of Democrats, liberal and progressives. You might get moderates, but you already know that's not enough to win. You already know this is a death sentence for your continued participation as a senator. Christian Cinema came to the Senate with the support, with the help 
of the progressive movement. And now when she's needed most, she turns her back. Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin in West Virginia. He's voting against minimum wage. The same thing with him. I don't know how many of you remember Blanche Lincoln. But Blanche Lincoln was a senator from Arkansas. And Blanche Lincoln was both feet in against the progressive agenda. And in that contest, she was primaried by a very, I can't remember his name, but he was a uh, statewide, statewide known. He was known statewide. And I thought he really had a shot at beating Blanche Lincoln, a Democratic blue dog, a conservative, who voted with Republicans half the time. You didn't know where she stood. The progressive agenda was never an option for her. So what happened was she beat the primary guy by the slimmest of marches. And then the general, Tom Cotton, blew her out by 40 points or something close to 40 points. Why? Because the progressives and the Democrats said, hell no, we will not vote for you. You will not go back to the Senate. So she's out, never to be heard from again. The same with Christian Cinema. The same with Joe Manchin. Now, you've got Ron Johnson, who's up for re-election in Wisconsin. You have a great chance to beat him. He's the, I would say he's the the hub of Russian misinformation. He carries dirty water for Putin and the rest of the people who are on the other side. But that's one thing that we must correct those Democrats who have betrayed their, not their oath of office, but their promise to their supporters. She has betrayed her base. And that should be the language going out. It has to be the language going out. And with all of the threats and the militia, Growing at fever pitch, you must put a great deal of pressure on those who have been arrested for breaching the security of the Capitol. You can't just slap them on their hand, give them probation which it appears is going to happen because 
a great deal of them have been released on their own recognizance. You must emphasize the fact that this was an act of sedition. This was an act of treasonous behavior. They were there to stop the certification of the delegates. They were there for a coup. They all should receive maximum sentences. And this is why it's not packing the courts. This is why it should be balancing. Balancing the courts. Because what we are witnessing is a run-up to I can't believe it moment. I can't believe the judge let them off. I can't believe the judge sent them home with a fine and a slap on the hand. That's what's going to happen. And I just want everybody to be ready for it and aware of it. So I'm going to start out this evening with a juxtaposed moment. And that juxtaposed moment compares side by side the Donald Trump compared to the former leader, the former leader in Hungary and the former leader in Hungary made moves they cause you to say, yeah, his name is Victor Orban. And he took over the Fidesz party. Once a conventional, a conventional conservative political party. And you have to really Start at the top. I put the link in the chat room, and um, you can. I've noticed something about our chat room. You cannot. Uh, you're not. You can't get there uh, by clicking on the link in the chat. But we would normally open up a whole new window for you, but. Um, this particular article goes, now that we've entered an election year, there's a lot of speculation about America, what America could look like if Donald Trump gets another term. I posted this in February of 2020. By hook or crook, as Trump uses a crisis, he created in the Middle East to distract from impeachment increases his chances of re-election and bolsters the 
fortunes of his buddies in the military-industrial complex, it's important to understand how other demographic leaders consolidated their powers. Steve Bannon used to be with the Trump administration. I see it that hungry strongman Prime Minister Victor Orban was Trump before Trump. In August of 1989, my best friend, Jerry Scheidman, and I spent the better part of a week sitting in outdoor cafes on the Buddha side of Dubai River, or Dansbury, I'm sorry, eating extraordinary, extraordinary and cheap food, staying in a grand old hotel, generally exploring Budapest. Two months earlier, there had been a massive pro-democracy demonstration involving hundreds of thousands of people demanding that the Soviet Union let Hungary go. The summer, we were there. Over a quarter of a million showed up in Heroes Square for the re-internment of the body of Ivory Nagy, a hero of the ill-fated 1956 rebellion against Russia. The final speaker was 26-year-old Victor Orban, a rising politician who would soon be a member of the parliament. He was wallowing around as a low-level member of this particular society or this group in, in the political realm. To an explosion of enthusiastic cheer, Orban defied the Soviet's and the only speaker to overtly do so and openly call for a swift withdrawal of Russian troops. So he basically played and lied to the crowd. Nine months later, March of 1990, Hungary held its first real election since 1945. In 1999, It joined NATO, and in 2004, it became a member of the European Union. For 20 years, Hungary was functioning democracy. Today, it's a corrupt oligarchy. In nine short years, since he was elected in 2010, 
Prime Minister Viktor Orban, now fabulously wealthy by Hungarian standards, and oligarch himself, succeeded in transferring his nation's government from a functioning European democracy into an autocratic, oligarchic regime of a single party. Orban took over the Fidesz party and making Hungary great again. Sound familiar? His rallies regularly drew tens of thousands. His campaign on building a wall across the entire Hungarian southern border, a promise he has largely kept. He altered the nation's constitution. Now, he altered the nation's constitution to do what we'd call gerrymandering and voter suppression, ensuring that his party would win more than two-thirds of the votes in pretty much every federal election well into the future. He's now packed the courts so thoroughly that legal challenges against him and his party go nowhere. Sound familiar? His party has rewritten grade school textbooks. Sound familiar? To say that refugees entering the country are a threat because it can be problematic for different cultures to coexist. Using this logic, he was he has locked up refugee children in cages. Sound familiar? And I go on with this particular article simply because it lays bare what Donald Trump himself has been trying here in the United States. He couldn't change the Constitution because of the rules and because of the three chambers of power. He could not get the constitutional Amendments changed, although they were like a state away, two states away. Well, anyway, this basically constituted the the bad governing of Hungary, and the people loved him at first. Orbit has handed government contracts to favorite few, elevating an entire new class of pro-Orban business people who are in the process of cementing control 
of the nation's economy as those who oppose him have lost their businesses and been forced to sell companies and often fled the country. This is what we have to look forward to. Victor Orban lost and was out of power for eight years. And when he came back, he was able to finish the job he had started. What we are witnessing is a continuation of a coup. And this coup is for one reason. To get those fascists in power. As you can see, the Republicans have not abandoned Trump. He's just, he's literally in exile in Florida running this misinformation machine against the sitting president and against the American people. If you've noticed, as soon as Joe Biden has a lasso and is grabbing this virus, And pulling it back, Trump administration should have been doing, Joe Biden is doing. And he's about to maybe bring us back to normal. But if you notice, Republican governors, at the behest of a Donald Trump, have sprung into action to sabotage the recovery of the United States. The governor of Texas started it out by opening up the government and doing away with all of the mandatory efforts to bring this pandemic under control. So expect spikes in that region, followed closely by Mississippi, Alabama, all red states now, with Republicans controlling the states. What we are witnessing is a continuation of a coup. And I don't think Joe Biden has the stomach or the balls to stop it. You have to really look at what has happened and what they're doing. You will see that the the curve, as they put it, will stop and begin to tick back up because you have Republican governors in Alabama, Mississippi, 
Texas, Florida, South Carolina. They're opening up their economy and indoor bars, parties, we're back. They're partying, partying. And they say it's because of Donald Trump. So pay attention. Democrats must stop them. They must not allow them to take credit for the reopening the government success. And I have um, I literally have a um, uh, a thought about how this should be addressed and how he should literally attack it. Joe Biden is not that type of politician. He will not do the right thing. This is Joe Biden's burden. This is Overman versus Trump, and I'm not Trump. The breaking details of the Friday night meeting in the Oval Office in which conspirators led by Donald Trump discussed their prospects of overthrowing the government of the United States in a military coup has left this nation with no other choice. Sadly, it will all fall to President-elect Biden. He must publicly state that on January 20th, his Department of Justice will act to investigate and to arrest anyone planning such a violent overthrow of the government. The president-elect may need to identify by name Sidney Powell, the delusional, lying attorney behind a series of lawsuits intended to end democracy here, whom Trump proposes to make special counsel to investigate the election. The president-elect may also need to identify by name General Michael Flynn, who also attended this seditious meeting and who has publicly called for the imposition of martial law to overturn the election. And the president-elect may need to identify by name the man who, because he merely wants Trump to issue an executive order seizing all the voting machines was the moderate in the room, Rudy Giuliani. And the president-elect may need to identify by name Donald John Trump. Hours after the conspirators met, Trump also again proved he is not loyal to the United States, but rather to Russia. He undermined his own puppet Secretary of State's announcement that the mass computer hacking was its work. The danger of what is now Trump's final month of occupation cannot be overstated. This creature facing state-level indictments he cannot pardon his way out of, sees the laws of this country and its heritage of civilian control of the military merely as objects blocking his way to save himself no matter what the cost. The immediate remedy is as old as the Trump occupation itself. The 25th Amendment is designed to remove a president who has lost all control of his mind or all fealty to the Constitution, or as in this case, both. Sadly, it will not be used. Remedying this coup will fall to President Biden. For while a Trump self-pardon might very well be deemed constitutional, a self-pardon for treason would not be. And what Trump did in the White House, in the Oval Office Friday night, was simply treason. And the definition of treason 
is rendering aid and support to the enemy during a time of war. This is not a time of war, but the word itself may not be able to be used in a court of law. They like to think of it as a conspiracy against the United States of America. Whatever they have to use, they need it done. General, disgraced General Michael Flynn, pardoned by Donald Trump, his brother gave thumbs down to sending help for the Capitol Police. First, they lied about him being in the room, but he was in the room when it happened. And at this point, the Democrats, Joe Biden especially, and that's what I fear the most. All of this warning kumbaya moment of coming together reaching out to the other side of the aisle how how dense and do you have to be to say that now if they want to reach across the aisle to you why are you trying to cozy up with Insurrectionists, traitors. I mean, it it it, it, it basically bears to ask you: Who is it that you like on the other side of the aisle? The thirty, forty-year friendships you've had, people who have shared your same title of senator must be erased because obviously they're supporting the insurrections. And because of the filibuster that they are so protecting you will not be able to do a damn thing because now we have, we got two members elected in Georgia, a feat that I didn't think that they could pull off, but it happened. So now what is the problem? The problem is two of our own who've been sitting amongst us harboring the thought of I'm not voting for that. You won. You have the majority because of the vice president. But we're not going to allow you to govern Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin. Must be placed on a level of You're not coming back. And if that happens in 22, we will 
I have to replace you. And hopefully, if we lose those two, we can win three overall and try this from 22 to 24. Because from 20 to 22, it's almost written in stone. Because of the rulings of the Supreme Courts and the judges, the federal judges across the nation, you must look at balancing the courts. The courts are way out of balance. And you have to look to balance. Let's take a break. Electoral outcome that we had. Now, you got to keep in mind, I'm a political scientist. So my, my thing is politics. If you, if you don't like the idea of me talking about parties, because I know a lot of black folk are quick to say, well, the Democrats are awful. The Democrats ain't no better. What about those Democrats, especially black men? I, I, I get you, brother. I'm with you. I'm already there. But, but we're talking about politics. Now, the subject is something different, like we shouldn't be a part of the Democratic Party, then I'll talk about that. But what I'm talking about in the meantime is that black people have made political choices in their wisdom, and I think it's a deep wisdom. Um, again, there's not another group that even comes close to black people's intelligence when it comes to voting in, in and out of parties. Black people belonged to one party in America for 100 years when it became too racist, and FDR made some gestures with the New Deal. They, t- they took them another 30 years, and by 1964, they had completely broken from their party after 100 years of, of belonging to the party of Lincoln. And then they chased the racists out. They, 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 Black history matters. You just don't want to miss the Our Common Ground 2021 Black History Special. The history of black political movements in America with Dr. James L. Taylor. Thursdays, 8 p.m. I'm Janice Graham. The history of black political movements in America. Dr. Taylor brings fire to our history. Black History Matters. This lecture series opens up the power of black political history. Hello? Anybody home? Are you muted on your microphone? I might be. I might be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Janice. Alpha, wake up. And you are absolutely, you are absolutely right. I was playing that little clip, and I said, well, let me mute this because I had to do this, and I didn't want to make noise. 
in the background. And as I was trying to get that done, I said, you know, this is the time of the evening here lately that uh, I don't uh, I don't win the war against uh, aging. And not only don't Are I you about to give aging. us too much information? Yep. <laughs> act like I care. You act like I care. And you got to keep your I, eyes I, on your chat room. I've been well, in the I, chat I, I, room. Well, you, you, the last thing you put in the chat room, you put up the obvious. That, that, that Florida was going down. And I didn't see that no audio part because my chat room is side by side with my call uh with my call. It's below the uh it's difficult to see. And as I was talking about your show I forgot who who was on your show. Tomorrow night, and I knew I read. I said I got to remember that, and sure enough, I don't. I didn't read it. But uh, I sit up here, and I put. I'll put it on mute and see. I can't forget that this is on mute, and sure enough, I forget it's on mute. Well, we're going to take away your mute button. Yeah. Well, just don't take away my oxygen. And I'll be all right. <laughs> and that's what I've done. I hope my Would you explain to your audience that we are no longer having the Black History lecture series? It's over, but it's on demand. Yeah, it's on demand. They can go back. And uh, well, I don't know why you were playing that that promo. Well, the promo was uh, Black History Month. Month is just it's just fast. We can we can we can extend it a little. They show us on twenty eight days anyway. Damn people. Well, I'm gonna let you go back to your program. Well, you can help me. <laughs> I know you got. You'll be on help, Alpha. Okay, but don't you, you realize that? Well, I, I will tell you that. Thank you for asking. Well, Tomorrow night at... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm eating um, <laughs> giant peanut M&Ms. But tomorrow night we're oh. going to be looking at a lo- how we need to align black policy priorities into the game of electoral politics because it seems like we keep well the the main question tomorrow night is while the coalition of democrats brought together in 2020 was enough to beat trump so my question tomorrow night is was it sufficient for the long-term fights ahead, meaning this democratic coalition. So we're going to be talking with Professor Willie Leggett, who is um, 
uh, the uh, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at South Carolina State University. He's also a lead organizer in the Labor Party. He's also an activist who led the Bernie Sanders Medicare for All South Carolina um, and was a candidate, a Labor Party candidate for South Carolina Senate. Uh, one of the things that it's, I think it's become terribly important, and you know I talk a lot about the political infrastructure that's needed for black political empowerment. But I think what we have to do is we have to separate the wheat from the chafe. And on one hand, we get caught up with liking a candidate. And that is because that is a that is kind of like part of the the race decisions that get made. But on the other hand, those same candidates that we like are not candidates that are pushing a policy agenda that's in our interest. Uh, so I was interested in talking with Professor Leggett uh, about the idea of how we align those two things, you know, uh, whether he, I, I really want to talk to him about whether we, whether we can continue to believe that black politics is class politics is not, but does not adequately represent the interests of the majority of black people. Because on one hand, we we are ending up right in the same place that we ended up at the end of a Bush administration where we have control of the Senate, but we don't have control of the Senate. We have control of the House, but the House is not working properly for us. So that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow night. Well, you said a House, Janice. I just think that Nancy Pelosi has passed bills that help us. It might, you know, it helps everybody, so naturally it helps us. And if, if, you know, all it all comes out in the wash. She's pushing these bills just like she did with Obama, and they're good bills, and she got them passed. And they were squashed in a Senate that should have Harry Reid should have gotten rid of the filibuster back then. But so, at this point, it's desperate. We need it desperately. Well, 
one of the things that has to happen is that we've got to stop thinking that there that there is some kind of moral imperative to have a relationship with a party that does not respect us. We're going through the same nonsense, Alpha, and you know it, where they they sit back and go back in the cloakroom in the Senate and negotiate compromise collude or however you want to call whatever you want to call it with these with the Republican party and then the Republicans are not going to vote for whatever they got whatever compromise came out of those negotiations so even if they pass the bill they have already compromised the the promises that they made to their own base. Republicans don't compromise on what they offer to the people that support them. Which is why you had a one point nine trillion dollar tax cut in the first six months of Trump's administration because that's what he promised the people who gave him the money, who brought him to the dance. And there was well, you have no to also understand, And you have to also understand, Dennis, once they were in power, no one was going to step out and say, say wait a minute, this is not right. You don't have my vote. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the only person who did that was on health care, and that was John McCain. That's right. So, and, they, and you have to and, 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 and they dismissed him and disposed of him at that very moment. Right. Like you don't you don't see that you don't see that on our side. Your man I don't have no side in this shit. <laughs> okay, me. but I'm I'm, the gonna, I'm, gonna, talking. I'm I'm gonna tell you the same thing I tell everybody else. Where in the hell are you going? Where are you going? Don't tell here, me. Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. That, and I, I said this during the Trump administration, I said it during the Obama administration, and I said it in the Bush administration. See, we're we talking about the same thing over and over and over Unless, until citizens who don't want to go along with the DNC establishment, but they call themselves Democrats, understand that the only option that is available to them is the Democratic uh, agenda, needs to start playing hardball with the people they voted for. Joe Biden is not afraid of the Democratic base. But if it begins to look like it's falling apart, he'll fall in line. 
other thing that we have to think about, and nobody's talking about this, Joe Biden is, is a, a, a one-term president. I've talked about that before he got in. He's a one-term one president. When they elevated him to the front runner, when black people saved his ass in the primary, my biggest fear was he would pick Kamala Harris. And that the only reason my fear was he would pick Kamala Harris is that I don't believe there is no set of circumstances, no planets lining up that will make Kamala Harris a viable candidate to succeed Absolutely, Joe Biden. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, Alpha. There's nothing, nothing anyone can tell me. And it's not because of who she is, her politics. It's because she's a black woman. And the racism runs deep. You heard of the song, Still Water Runs Deep? Racism runs so deep. The people who we align with harbor that type of deep-seated racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the white supremacist agenda will not allow them to back a black woman. The only way she becomes president is that Joe Biden dies in office. Mm -hmm. And then she can become president. Now, what is in the future candidate-wise because in 2024 it's going to be a Downey Brook of a fight for president. Mm -hmm. They'll be coming out Mm -hmm. in all the swing states in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, uh, Detroit, uh, and they will be begging black people to vote again. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. black people haven't been made aware that this is not a hit and run. This is not a one-timer. This is something that you line up to do and you commit to it because they never go home. They can lose six times in a row. They're coming back. hmm they never stop doing what me, they're doing. Not um, let me. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm switching gears, but it's been something that's been haunting me for the last couple of days, and it's this notion that the insurrectionists were going to return to the Capitol building. Um, How they going to come back? Of, wait, yeah, yeah. They ain't coming uh, yeah. back with all them guards. Yeah. With all the National Guard. They're not but, coming back. But we, we, we've got people 
who really don't know how to do critical analysis. March 4th was a very, very important date in the history of America. That March 4th wasn't chosen out of the blue by these people, which I think that we need to be thinking about how deeply strategized all of this is. On March 4th in 1877, Rutherford B. Hayes became President of the United States. And his inauguration had been in dispute with the close with with a very close election with uh, a guy by the name of most people wouldn't recognize Samuel Tilden, and the public inauguration was on the fifth because March fourth was a Sunday, but. This is, I, I, I think this is why so deeply important what Dr. Taylor did for us. Because it started me thinking about, he talked about a year of insurrection. The year of insurrection. And it started on March 4th in 1877. And the North was panicking. And uh, I've been, I've been since Doctor. I, I think it was in the in the second or third uh, uh, session of the lecture series. And I have been really, really interested in this. But my point is that at at these meetings. Uh, <clears throat> that they were having before Rutherford, I keep wanting to call him Hayes, was in uh, was elected. They there were series of meetings um, because he had been elected, and they were getting ready for the, the inauguration. There had been a series of meetings between the northern forces, political forces, and the southern political force, forces. And you'll remember that um, um, the southerners in the spring of 1877 had threatened the Congress with the filibuster. And Hayes's representative had promised the South that they could have home rule. That's states' rights. That's the that's that was the first reiteration of states' rights. Now I'm not a historian, but I have a great respect for it. My mother was a historian. My mother had a master's degree in. U.S. history, and just like Dr. Taylor, 
all of these dates and people and shit you had never heard of before uh, would just fall from her mouth while she was talking. If somebody walked in this house now and my mother was here and said, my name is Rutherford, and she would say, oh, yeah, uh, 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 Rutherford Hayes was the president, blah, 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 blah. So I had to live with that. But this March 4th date, my point is, and I know I'm rambling, (laughs) this March 4th date in 1877 was about stopping Rutherford Hayes from being inaugurated by the Southern forces. There had been a filibuster on states' rights for months. And what and 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 because the Congress was ready to 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 pass a law the Freedsman Act. And Hayes made an agreement between the Democrats and the Republicans that the filibuster would not have would be stopped. And what did Dr. Taylor tell us in session two or session three? They gave up the black people. So, uh, and then you have all of these Democrats running around talking about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Those are the people who need to understand this stuff in the in the in, in the context of history. It was no coincidence that that they had started organizing to for a second insurrection on March 4th. And not one of them when they when they shut shut down the Congress had any idea. So, you know, I'm just I'm just so scared of stupid people. I you know, I see stupid people. Um, I don't see dead people. I see stupid people. So I don't know if that makes any sense. Alpha, did you get your vaccine yet? Did I get my what? Vaccine? No, I haven't been anywhere. And and I, I, I I'm looking it up. I've got one of those my charts. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I've tried to schedule it. They've got, they've got a, uh, they have the vaccine in uh, two places. Uh-huh. East Diddy East Diddy, and the son of East Diddy Diddy. They are so far yep. away from me. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. But don't it's, they it's don't they funny. have home? Don't they have home services that's doing the vaccine? Not that I know of. That's what I'm going to check into next. Yeah, yeah, I think you should do that. 
But, because um, I have a doctor's, a doctor's appointment on the 19th in 14 days. Uh-huh. So I'm going to check and try to check into it before that. But, you know, I'm I'm in uh, West Englewood. Here's Chicago. And it, is it black? Does the sun come up? <laughs> they are not. They are not setting up uh, vaccine uh, vaccine centers mm-hmm. here in my community, uh-huh. and that's uh-huh. what pisses me off. So in this case, my son has to take off from work, take me out there uh-huh. to get this vaccine. Well, you should call your hospital. By the way, what? What? (laughs) What? By the way, while he's taking me out there, he can get one of his own. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Alpha. Um, Oh, God, look at your chat room. Let me see, I can't see the chat. Let me scroll down and look at the chat. Oh, purple pill. Oh, you know, you know what I like, Janice? What? When someone like this comes in, when someone like this comes in the chat room, and he tro- he just trolls. He yeah. gets everything off his chest, and he, the number is right there. Why don't you call purple pill? Hey, purple pill. Who the pill. hell wants to talk to? Who, who who the hell wants to talk to? I'm I'm um, I'm I'm not gonna say, but banned. The purple okay. pill's gone. Yeah. Yeah. What? Purple pill came in. Did he came in? He did a lot of uh, a lot of trolling. He loves to call us, in, us Negroes. Yeah, your Negroes are never going to whatever. And he puts it yeah. in uh, in a foreign language. Uh-huh. And then he runs that's, out. He runs out that's of German. It's German. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, so <laughs> he's, he's, he's a Nazi. He's a Nazi. We, 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 we know them all. No, he, I mean, he's stable enough to be a Nazi. <laughs> all, he, all he has to do is pick up the phone. And call in. We'll, we'll give him an opportunity to say what he has to say. I don't want to. I'm we, not doing it. I'm not going to do we, it. We can be our sad and I'm not going to Negro. do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Okay, Alpha. Proceed with your program because now your mic is open. Well, I'm going to where uh, I have to where uh, I want to play this promo because I found it, Jen. The second promo. Oh, I see. I you see. Got, you got other promos in here that have uh, that have been in here for a, a long time, and I basically re re-identified them as 2021. 
But um, this one I've picked up, and uh, I'm going to play this one first. Should, do I need to send out an all-employee memo? <laughs> the hell are you going to send it to? I'm the only employee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only employee. What the hell are you oh, sending out memos for? Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, well, you know, even even Biden is calling Mansion. You know, but yeah, the COVID aid think, bill. I don't think that. Uh, but Alpo, I don't think that he. he yeah. He, you don't think that he what? I don't think that he deserves this attention. I think he should be slapped back Shun. in place. Shun. You either you either fall in line with my agenda or this is your last you you're looking at your last two years in office. Yep. Yeah. Because that's exactly what you said. You know, I, I said that I said that to you last week when I talked to you that that Jamie Harrison needs to be assembling a team going into West Virginia and taking all his people. All, all of the progressives. See, the only way he has won is with the conservatives in West Virginia, the people who are his base, along with the rest of the Democrats. Now, if the rest of the Democrats don't show up, you remember Blanche Lincoln. Yep, yep. You remember, you remember what happened to Blanche Lincoln. We primary you first. If you win, it's still over for you because we won't support you in the general. Yep. Yep. Because yep. the Republican may as well have the seat, but you are out. The only yep. way you will remain a senator is if that you fall in line. Yeah. These people all, that's behave as though there as though there's no answer to so much of this stuff. You know, it's like Nera tandem. The 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 Congress, the 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 Senate was on a recess on Tuesday. I would have recess appointed her so fast, their heads would have spun. Well, they they had someone there to basically keep it open. So he couldn't recess appoint her. What he should have done is made her acting. Put her in as acting. If we learned anything, Donald Trump had a whole cabinet of acting people. That didn't act like nothing. It didn't act like nothing. And this bit about she wrote nasty tweets. You went all four years with a man not just Tweeting nasty stuff, but lying and yep. tweeting. Yeah, and all they hypocrites. They are hypocrites. And all of they are making they the shenanigans that's going on. Chuck Schumer should be consulting with the parliamentarian, and some of this stuff has got to stop. 
And that's what he should be saying. Well, I um, look at it. You know, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the the Democrats are, are basically infamous for getting in office and turning around in circles with their palms facing the sky. Like yeah. they don't know what the hell they're doing or how to get yeah. there. And, ooh, what are Republicans thinking of us? Yeah. And that, that has to stop. Yeah. That literally yeah, has to right. stop. Okay, Alpha, I will talk to you later. All right, Dennis. Thank you, Thank you for calling and getting me off mute because okay. my phone was black. I know, I see House I know, Music Lovers called back then. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to fill and see if he's gonna come in at uh, you know, the last moment. But um thank you for your call, Janice, and I'm gonna take a light break here. Um after you've gone. And before I you know, turn my attention back to the program. Okay. Bye, Janice. Oh, there you go. Okay, let me go here first. Now let me do the right thing. America is a great country. And America is a country that was founded on the premise of white supremacy and white superiority. I know you have heard in this entire debate, well, there's a difference between heritage and hate, and there's a difference between Southern culture and slavery, and the monuments are celebrating heritage, they're celebrating culture, they're celebrating Southern pride. And people have understood these code words for a long time. So, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. And what greets me as a citizen of Tennessee when I go to my state capital in Nashville where my grandparents lived? Nathan Bedford Forrest. Well, he made a fortune in Memphis as a slave trader. And he was the original Grand Wizard of the KKK. He led a Confederate massacre of black soldiers and white soldiers, American soldiers, during the Civil War. And this monument wasn't put up in 1865 or 1866 with people saying he's such a hero we have to recognize him. This monument was built in 1970, two years after Martin Luther King was shot in the neck just down the road from Nashville, Tennessee. And we'll come to that timing as we go through this because the timing of these monuments, I think, suggests something that's very important in terms of understanding what they're about. When were these monuments built? There were two spikes between the end of the 1800s and about 1921. What else was going on at the exact same time in America? The fact that this was normal, 
The fact that this was behavior that didn't really shock anybody tells you something about how deeply white supremacy has been ingrained into American culture. 1921, the black community in Tulsa, Oklahoma was one of the most prosperous communities in America, and the whites there decided they weren't going to have it, so they simply burned it to the ground. Almost 300 people killed. That's what was going on at the exact same time was this explosion of Confederate monuments, an explosion of thanks and praise for people who had done nothing other than fight to maintain white supremacy and slavery. When you think about when these monuments were built and what else was going on in America, it tells you something about the motivation. So how about that second, 1947 to 1968? One thing that people forget about our history is that Reconstruction after the war was actually working. There were over 2,000 black elected officials in America. Businesses that blacks were starting were starting to take hold. And in 1877, I think it was Grover, I can't remember the president, but he got elected and basically said, I'm withdrawing the troops. In 1876, there were 125,000 black registered voters in Louisiana. In 1878, that number dropped to 5,000. And if you're wondering about the flag, it had essentially been dead and buried until 1948 when Strom Thurmond brought it back with the Dixiecrat Party. And once again, they are telling us as clearly as they can what they are about and why they're waving that flag. The party's purpose was clear. We stand for segregation of the races. This is from the editor of the Augusta, Georgia Courier in 1951. Folks, they are saying it as plainly as they can. And yet, we are still having a debate in this country about what this stuff means. I am going through this to try and show you the events that were happening at the same time that this second explosion of monuments in the South to Confederate heroes was being built. And then this happened in 63. Segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever, and just a few weeks later, the Confederate flag was flying over the University of Alabama. And in September of 1963, these four girls got blown up in this church. This was the young girl that survived. These are the faces of people watching the bodies being taken out of the church. This is what was happening as the second explosion of Confederate monuments was happening in America.
So some of these statues are coming down. They're being removed in the dark of night because the city officials don't want to remove them in the day because there might be disputes, there might be violence, there might be fighting. My only point is this. There is a movement in America that has not been in existence in my lifetime. I was 11 years old in Memphis when King was shot and killed. And I was young, but I was old enough to know enough. And what I'm telling you is the discussions about racial equality that were going on then are nowhere near as deep, as intense, and as revealing as the discussions that are going on today. As scared as I feel and as frustrated as I feel with what's going on in this country, there is a part of me that says we are on the cusp of something. This is a freaking tipping point. And it is going to go one way or the other. Taking down these monuments will not cure the problem, but it is at least an indication that we are ready to deal with the truth. Just a reminder, these monuments are traitors. The Confederate flag is for traitors. They fought against America. Now, I'm not one to wrap myself around the American flag. I've lived here all my life like I had a choice. But at some point, we as a people must become more aware, more aware of our history. That's why I'm so glad that uh, Janice Graham put together the four weeks with Dr. Dr. James Taylor, historian, black historian. And you can listen to these four weeks and the archives of our common ground for the month of February. Black History Month is truly uh, one of the winning programs that uh, was on our common ground. We have to continue this. I've asked Janice about the clips. They're clips that... uh, Dr. Taylor has left us with as he, for four weeks, this man just rambles on and on. He opens his mouth and history falls out of it. And it's history that we need to know about. It's history that we, as black people, have to understand. The gentleman that you just heard about the monuments basically told you at each step of the way, the monuments represent the reassertion of white supremacy and the negative effect it has had on we as a people. We as a people must understand that white supremacy is the goal has been the goal and will always be the goal. Don't I say that 
And I say that because we can't we can't just ignore it. We have to be and continue to stay aware, very much aware of what it means. Because history tells us and the programs of Dr. Taylor, I have to go back myself and try to pull some of these clips up so I can have them, some of the important ones. They do not, they cannot steer you wrong in your thinking because that's basically what they do is give you an understanding of our history. And it, as such, we have to listen to it and believe in it. 516-666-9516 is the number. Let me go down and see if Purple Pill has come back. Nope. Yeah, Janice, Dr. Taylor is a political scientist, but uh, he sure sounds like a historian to me because uh, ain't nobody opened their mouth and that much history fall out of without being a historian. But he's a political scientist. I want to get that correct. Oh. Maybe this will help. Oh, oxygen. Great. But um, I'll come and ground on Thursday. Go back and listen to those particular programs. Because he gives a, a great insight on exactly what we need to what we need to know what we need to know something I'm saying that you should look out for I think we would be remiss if we don't see this coming as Joe Biden gets the the nation vaccinated. You will see driven by the right these anti-vaxxers who will be coming out in force to disrupt the distribution of these vaccines with protests. They want to they want to inflict their beliefs on you about getting vaccinated. They don't want it'll they'll stage it just like they do abortion and abortion clinics. Okay? And this is how they'll try to shut it down. Just so you won't get vaccinated. 
You've got the governors who are making sure that the virus spreads before people get vaccinated. Slowing down the recovery of this movement. They will do for the next four years anything possible to disrupt the progress of a Biden administration. They will, regardless to what it takes, this is why Joe Biden has a vested interest, a serious interest in prosecuting Donald J. Trump. And then I, I truly believe one thing. We have to watch very closely those people who have been arrested and have been charged with the insurrection. Not one of them should go without serving jail time. Literally serving jail time. It might be harsh. It might be all of that stuff. But they have to serve jail time. That's the only way. There should be no quarter given. <laughs> did you see did you see the the reenactment of the guy who was sitting at Pelosi's desk with his feet up and he was he was on he was in his own little world. But now he's incensed. He's going insane because he's been in jail for a month and his next hearing is uh, May 4th so his next hearing is at least 45 days later and he's whining and crying other people got out and he he can't get out and dude shut up you did the crime now it's time for you to do the time and um he interrupted the proceedings, yelling it's unfair. He's crying. He had to get a lawyer. He's getting a new lawyer. And uh, he still hasn't made bond. And nor will he. Oh, that's a great sign. I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> and nor will he get bond. But we must remain Vigilant. We must continue to keep an eye on the people who have been arrested because the judges in their hometown, they're like, they're like neighbors, so they can they let them go. They'll let them go home until their next court date where they'll come in and they go, look, buddy, look, Jimmy Ball, don't do that no more, okay? You can, we're going to let you off with a warning. No. They participated in an insurrection. They beat and killed police officer 
and four other people. And you got two police officers who committed suicide. This was not just a random riot. This is a coordinated conspiracy from the top down, from Donald Trump to Giuliani to Mike Flynn, his brother, his brother, Lieutenant General Flynn. Can't think of his first name. George Flynn, Charlie Flynn. He's one he's one of the generals who held up the National Guard from responding for over three and a half hours and hoped to capture and kill Nancy Pelosi. Now think about it. Had they captured and killed Nancy Pelosi or Mitt Romney or the vice president, they would have successfully stopped the certification of the election. And then they would have been in court yelling, take it to the states, let the House decide who the president is. After losing by 7 million votes, this was an attempted coup. And the people involved should be prosecuted with extreme prejudice. It has to happen. So, because it, you know, you have to, you have to really think about it. Really think about it now. And think about the people who are on the receiving end of this of this insurrection. This walk in the park, as one of the Republicans say, they were just meandering down to the Capitol. No, they were sent to the Capitol. And the Capitol Police were in there with their own thoughts. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. Hey, maybe you haven't been keeping up on current events, but we just got our asses kicked, pal. never fails. For me, <laughs> I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It happens over and over again. And I keep coming back because I keep thinking 
they're going to get tough on these people. They're going to play hard, as hard against them as they play against us. But each and every time, I'm seriously disappointed. Because all there is is what there is. Self-failing complicity. It's as though we don't want to engage in the fight. Let them do whatever the hell they want to do. And I saw, I was watching part of the readout this evening. And here's Joy Reid with a, a Mr. Potato Head. And it was Mr. Potato Head. And then she spoke on Dr. Seuss. That they had lied about the Democrats wanted to take away those books when in fact it was the, their own publisher who wanted to take away the books but never let a good lie go go by you know it, with all of the things with people with the people in the country in need of the pittance that these people are offering them in this aid package. We have to get this aid package passed. Then we have to come with H1. Then we have to come with um, John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Did any, how many of you saw Christian Cinema? She came on the floor with her thumbs down as she was bouncing up and down, gleefully with thumbs down, that she was voting against the bill because it had the minimum wage, $15 minimum wage in it. If Jamie Harris wants to do his job, he should be, they should be, looking for a new candidate in a primary to primary Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin. Either walk in lockstep or walk your way out the door. It matters not. It matters not. You have to hold together. And if they are allowed to stymie our agenda when we have a 50-50 split and the decider is Kamala Harris, we must hold those people accountable who want to block our agenda for a Republican agenda a conservative agenda. I cannot 
I just can't stomach it. And I can stomach a lot of things, believe me. But what they uh, what they allow Republicans to get away with. Because Democrats simply do not message well. They don't message at all. They allow Republicans to literally shoot themselves in the foot. We got one Republican who spoke at a white supremacist, white nationalist uh, meeting and a convention, a rally. I hear, I've heard one peep out of the Democrats. First of all, Nancy Pelosi should never have seated the 126 Republicans who voted, who basically enjoined in the uh, don't certify the state's filing that Republicans did in court. It makes no sense. And they should be, when this investigation, as it heats up, there is no way that you can get away, you can get away from the fact that elected officials were involved in this conspiracy. No way. And you don't, you can't stop there. You must go back through their financial supporters, the donations to those rich people who were fronting for them. It just it gets to a point where you can't. It, sick, it, it, it sickens me, really. It sickens me. Here are there are so many things that Joe Biden should be doing. That's why you have. You should have so many surrogates out there. I have not seen the surrogates, um, the uh, surrogates for Joe Biden or the surrogates for Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is almost invisible. She is. She's almost invisible. She don't say nothing. So how do we keep up with what she does? Healing in unity. Is what the media is saying. 
Is that? I say. <laughs> this is Olbermann versus Trump. Donald Trump needs to take his crocodile tear words about this being the time for our nation to heal and shove them up his ass. As we get a clearer picture of the dimensions of last week's coup attempt and the follow-ups threatened for next week, as we hear not commentators, but U.S. attorneys use the term sedition and murder, it is obvious that hundreds of the idiots who listen to the Republican lies about the election will be going to prison, and that Trump Jr. and Giuliani and others may be charged by the D.C. district attorney. It is just as obvious that Trump will be impeached again with Republican votes, and in the Senate there will be Republican votes against him. Last Wednesday, Trump stepped into history as a man who did more damage to this country than Jefferson Davis, Joe McCarthy, Aaron Burr, Tokyo Rose, and Osama bin Laden ever dreamed of. Yet there, on his stunt trip to Texas, to do the only thing he's really good at, staring at a goddamned wall, Trump again threatened the nation with his followers, quote, tremendous anger, and he threatened the president-elect. Yet his hypocritical, tinny, nauseating calls for healing and unity are still being echoed by his Republican co-conspirators, like the human versions of Beavis and Butthead, Congressman Jordan and Gates, by Trump campaign staffers, by those idiots out there who only heard one thing Trump said on Tuesday, quote, there is always a counter move. You want healing and unity? Get Trump on TV to tell America Biden won, and there is no fraud, and he has been scamming them. You want healing and unity? Get one of the lunatics like Alex Jones or Chanel Rion to announce that COVID-19 is real and masks are essential. You want healing and unity? Get Marjorie goddamn Taylor Greene to announce QAnon and Pizzagate and the whole right-wing conspiracy cult is bullshit. You want healing and unity? Get Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell to be the ones to introduce the legislation that utilizes the 14th Amendment and bars Trump from federal office for life. You want healing and unity? Remove the greatest threat to healing and unity in American history. Get Donald goddamn Trump out of office, and we don't give a good goddamn how you do it. Damn, I missed that, man. Damn, I missed that, man. But I can only hope. basically echoes my thoughts. I've never met him. <laughs> but he has echoed my thoughts. Wow. Turn the clothes. I say this. We will get the desired, I can't say the desired stimulus package, because once it leaves the Senate, it must go back to the House because it's been changed, and the House must deal with the changes. Democrats must pass everything they can that benefits the people. They must go to 
Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema right now and let them know that it's over. It's done. They're done. If they if they don't fall in line, it's that simple. Believe in one thing. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes... This has been another exciting episode of The Alpha Show. We appreciate your listenership. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. Join us next Wednesday, 10 p.m. That's where we are. And that's why it's almost the bewitching hour. It's almost checkmate. It's almost that time. Time is of no return. It's almost a time when we won't be able to recover because recovery simply will not be in the cards for us. We cannot, I repeat, we cannot continue down this road because this road is headed for the ultimate dead end. Everybody thinks we're wrong. Who are they to judge us? Mother, mother, simply call the screen where I hang on.
Well, our 